No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Job concludes his long speech with calling for judgment against himself if he has sinned against God. He cries out for God to answer him. What a wonderful example Job is to us of a blameless life. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Job chapter 31 on Simply the Bible. If you only had one last speech to give, what would you say? Job concludes his long speech, and when he is done, none of his friends can say a word. They had nothing left to say. Job seeks to be justified before God, and if he has done anything wrong, then he knows that he would deserve judgment, but Job's conscience is clear. Therefore, he has confidence before the court of the Almighty. We continue in Job 31. I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? For what is the allotment of God from above and the inheritance of the Almighty from on high? Is it not destruction for the wicked and disaster for the workers of iniquity? Does he not see my ways and count all my steps? Job makes this personal covenant and a covenant of integrity with his eyes that if he were to look at a young woman, really anyone other than his wife, with lust in his heart, then he knew that there would be judgment against him. There's destruction in that. It's the beginning of what would occur later. It all begins in the heart. And of course, Jesus agreed with this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. He said, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so there is this connection between the eyes, what we see, and what we entertain in our heart and where our affections of our heart go to. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. And honestly, if we can keep our hearts in check in this area, then we can control our whole body because sin always begins in the heart. Now, from verse 5 until the end of the chapter, Job makes a series of if statements that follow the pattern, if I have sinned in a certain way, then the appropriate judgment, and then the reason for that judgment, and finally a declaration of Job's innocence. Job is presenting his final case in the court of almighty justice. He has been asking God to show him anything he has done wrong. Now he says that if he had done any of these things that his friends have been accusing him of, then he would be deserving of God's just judgment. Yet he knows that at the end of the day, he will be vindicated because his conscience is clear. If I have walked with falsehood, or if my foot has hastened to deceit, let me be weighed on honest scales, that God may know my integrity. If my step is turned from the way, or my heart walked after my eyes, or if any spot adheres to my hands, then let me sow and another eat. Yes, let my harvest be rooted out. All along, Job's foremost claim has been that he has been blameless. 
he had been a man of integrity, meaning that he was on the inside what he professed to be on the outside. Job was genuine, and he knew that ultimately he would be weighed in God's scales. Again, we see this connection between Job's eyes and his heart. Again, we see the connection between Job's eyes and his heart, where he says, if my heart walked after my eyes. The Apostle John would later call this the lust of the eyes. If our heart follows our eyes, then it will surely lead to sin. Job knew that if he turned away from the path of righteousness, then it would lead to his impoverishment. If my heart has been enticed by a woman, or if I have lurked at my neighbor's door, then let my wife grind for another and let others bow down over her, for that would be wickedness. Yes, it would be iniquity deserving of judgment, for that would be a fire that consumes to destruction and would root out all my increase. In the first few verses, he spoke of the covenant he made with his eyes not to look lustfully, but now he speaks of the action to which that lust in the heart would inevitably lead. If Job did commit adultery with his neighbor's wife, then the just consequence would be that his wife would grind and do the household chores for somebody else. And another man would bow over her for sexual relations. Indeed, adultery is a fire that consumes to destruction and destroys the fruitfulness of a family. And it was Solomon that said, you know, you can't keep burning coals to your bosom and not get burned. And if you let that fire burn in your heart and ultimately it ends in adultery, you're going to be destroyed by it. Now, I had this painfully made aware to me when I was young and first started in ministry and my mentor and friend and boss fell into adultery and I just saw it just completely demolish his marriage, his family, his ministry. It was tragic. But I never forgot that vivid picture of what can happen if you let your heart go astray. If I have despised the cause of my male or female servant, when they complained against me. What then shall I do when God rises up? When he punishes, how shall I answer him? Did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one fashion us in the womb? Now, Job had been an employer, but how had he treated his employees? Did he truly listen to their complaints or did he ignore them? Job knew that if he mistreated them, then God would come to their defense because they were all equal in God's eyes. Both master and servant, employer and employee have been made in the image of God. And that is something that is very important for those who are in leadership to remember. Those who we rule over are also made in the image of God. We're no better than they are. And it's important to realize that because it is easy for people in leadership to be lifted up in pride. That's why Paul tells us in Philippians 2.3, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Verse 16, If I kept the poor from their desire, or caused the eyes of the widow to fail, or eaten my morsel by myself so that the fatherless could not eat of it, 
But from my youth, I reared him as a father. And from my mother's womb, I guided the widow. If I have seen anyone perish for lack of clothing or any poor man without covering, if his heart has not blessed me and if he was not warmed with the fleece of my sheep. So here, Job speaks of his awareness that he had an obligation to those who were poor and needy, the helpless. Now, if he would have neglected them, this would have been a sin of omission. That is, knowing the good you ought to do, and then if he didn't do it, that would have been sin. He would have been guilty of that. If I have raised my hand against the fatherless when I saw and I had help in the gate, then let my arm fall from my shoulder. Let my arm be torn from the socket, for destruction from God is a terror to me, and because of his magnificence, I cannot endure. So here, as Job would sit at the city gate, if he had raised his hand wrongfully against the fatherless, and usually that would have been done to take advantage of them in some way, then he said, let my arm fall from its shoulder. Let it be ripped from its socket because that would have been a great evil. If I have made gold my hope or said to find gold, you are my confidence. If I have rejoiced because my wealth was great and because my hand had gained much, if I have observed the sun when it shines or the moon moving in brightness so that my heart has been secretly enticed and my mouth has kissed my hand, this also would be an iniquity deserving of judgment for I would have denied God who is above. Now earlier, his friends had accused him of putting his trust in gold and money rather than in God. And and he knew that was wrong. So if I have done that, if I've made gold my confidence, then that would have been wrong. That would have been a form of idolatry, really worshiping created things and putting your trust in possessions rather than in God. And the same thing if he would have worshiped the sun or the moon. Now, people did that because of the glory of the sun and the glory of the moon. But he said, if I would have secretly done that and worshiped those bodies that God created, those celestial bodies, that would have been deserving of judgment. I would have denied the true God, the creator who is above. If I have rejoiced at the destruction of him who hated me or lifted myself up when evil found him, indeed, I have not allowed my mouth to sin by asking for a curse on his soul. Now, you know, if God judges your enemies, you're not to rejoice in it. You're not to gloat in it. And he said, if I would have done that, God would have seen and that and I would have been guilty. If the men of my tent have not said, who is there that has not been satisfied with his meat? But no sojourner had to lodge in the street for I have opened my doors to the traveler. So not only Job, but also Job's servants were purposed to show hospitality to the stranger if they needed food, if they needed shelter. He said, look, if my servants didn't do this, then I would be guilty of not showing that hospitality, which was a big sin in that ancient world. If I have covered my transgressions as Adam by hiding my iniquity in my bosom, because I feared the great multitude and dreaded the contempt of families so that I kept silence and did not go out of the door. So it's interesting here, Job knew of the story of Adam, even though Genesis probably had not yet been written, but that story being passed down that Adam had tried to cover his sin because of his fear. And he said, look, if I would have done that, that would have been wrong too. 
Oh, that I had one to hear me. Here is my mark. Oh, that the Almighty would answer me that my prosecutor had written the book. Surely I would carry it on my shoulder and bind it on me like a crown. I would declare to him the number of my steps. Like a prince, I would approach him. So all along, Job has been hoping to come to a court where God would be and that he would be justified because he knew his conscience was clear. And he said, look, even if the prosecutor listed all of the charges that could come up with me, I'd carry them in. But I know that I would have vindication because there's nothing against me. If my land cries out against me and its furrows weep together, if I have eaten its fruit without money or caused its owners to lose their lives, then let thistles grow instead of wheat and weeds instead of barley. The words of Job are ended. Finally, he just brings up the whole curse of the land thing. If he would have misused the land that God had given him or done evil so that even the land itself would would curse Job. But he said, none of that has happened. And so he ended his words justifying himself because he knew that the things that his friends had accused him of were not true And he had confidence before God. His one desire was that God would show him, if he had done anything wrong, that he would show him, but that he would get his day in court with God. And and we shall see. Job will get that day when he gets to hear from Almighty God. You've been listening to Simply the Bible. The Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow we'll see where young Elihu finally speaks, accusing Job's friends of not convincing him. He convicts Job of his self-righteousness, but also points to God's redemptive love. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Job on Simply the Bible.